The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. After a half an hour of talking about the Bristol Myers scale pre-podcast, we hit the record button on one of my favorite shows to do whenever we can get the damn schedules to align. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. A happy Monday to you all. The start of another week. I've again lost track of how many off-season episodes we've done. My slash marks on the prison wall. I think we're at 91? 96? I don't know. But you're in it. You're in it to win it. And we're about two months now away from the start of the NBA season. I am Dan Bespris, and I am joined today by one of my oldest friends in the fantasy industry who has just become a regular old-fashioned friend, the great Josh Millman. Welcome back to the show, man. I have missed you so much. Hoopballers! Yes! It's we needed the... that. Oh, I haven't it's had that. It's been far too long, man. Oh, That really does give me a, a jolt of energy. Talking to you gives me a jolt of energy. I miss you, man. I miss you too, buddy. It's been, I know, it's been far too long. This has just been a mess. What I a year. I have really been around. It's just, you know, you know how it goes. I do. Uh, are you hanging in there okay right now? We can keep this part short because I know it's been, the pandemic year has been kind of crummy and I don't think people really want to hear us complain no, about it. No, but... I'm not looking to depress anyone either. But yes, I am all good. I needed the time desperately. So if anyone was clamoring for my fantasy analysis, don't worry, guys. I'm back. Yeah. It's all good. You know, just just needed the time to recalibrate, which I did. And here we are, man. We're back. Well, when you're calibrated, I can I can say this because I've seen a lot of fantasy writers in the time about roughly 20 years I've been reading fantasy. There is no one on par with the words of the great Josh Millman. No one. And I am planning on starting today's show by once again reminding everybody you're listening to Fantasy NBA Today. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Baspris. You can follow... Wait, I always forget. Do you have an underscore in your Twitter handle or no? No, it's at Josh Millman. Yeah, it's so easy. It's so easy. So follow Josh. Please follow Josh. He's deserved it for many years now, and I'm going to do my best. We're going to need to do this more often, by the way, now that you are back, by the way. Oh, yeah, you just say the word, and I'm here. It's mostly my stupid schedule. Um... That's why I've had like one guest in the last five months on this show. <laughs> My schedule is such a cluster mess. But I want to read a passage. This is like this is Psalm forty-four, fifteen, uh, from Josh that will be appearing in. Actually, I think it might be available today. Although I might be getting that wrong. The hoop ball draft guide, which is sort of, I think it's open now. It's it's on the site. So. Hoopballers, this is we're we are almost. I don't want to steal anything from Panda or Brewski, but just we are basically there for the release of this coming season's draft guide. It's wild. And what you are about to listen to <laughs> is worth the price of admission alone. But I'm going to give it away here on the podcast. Still, <laughs> still uh, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta get the draft guide this year. And please, today I found out I messed up the promo on Friday. I thought that the Get last year's price promotion ended last night at 11.59. It's actually today at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Last year's pricing, and if you leave it on, your price will never go up. So it's $4.99 a month for the uh, Fantasy Pass, which does include the draft guide. It also has all the in-season coverage and everything else that goes with it. It does have the Brewski 150 
uh, earlier than folks that just get the draft guide alone, later than folks that get the HoopBall 360 plan. Um, but I can do a little bit more promo on that later in the show. I want to get to this passage from uh, <laughs> from the great Josh Millman. I'm going to I'm zooming in on my phone, and for some reason I struggle because I'm an 85 year old to get things to turn on the new iPhones. They don't rotate the way they used to oh, and zoom in. How perfectly appropriate. Yes. Yeah, so how I, perfectly appropriate. <laughs> so I adjust my bifocals. Uh, <clears throat> quote, but honestly, you're not here for analysis on Carmelo Anthony. If you've made it to this point, you're here to have me rag on the fact that the Lakers have a roster whose injuries during the season will be covered by Medicare. By the way, I'm going to do my best to get through this without laughing in the middle of it. <laughs> Save <laughs> it for tough. the end. Because I laughed when I was reading it when you sent it to me. They're going to be the first team to have someone labeled questionable with osteoporosis. The La- <laughs> I just messed up already. The Lakers <laughs> are going to begin training camp by getting up early and taking a brisk walk in the mall. <laughs> the Lakers think that people need to slow down and are driving way too fast during rush hour on the 405. By the way, shout out to you for citing our local freeway out here. Someone's actually been to Los Angeles. I, I tried to keep it localized. You did. You know? That's like, nice. I, I, you know, keep it relevant, man. Although I would point out no one goes faster than eight miles an hour during rush hour in Los Angeles. Uh, Lakers tickets are now going to come with newspaper coupons for Ralph's. You even went with the local iteration of Ralph's. I do. I do. I listen. Hoop ballers, this is why you need to get the draft because <laughs> this is research. The right amount here. of research that goes into this to understand the individual players, the markets they play in, is second to none. That's right. This is how we deliver. Uh, by the way, to those of you listening, not in Los Angeles, that's Kroger everywhere else. Uh, Westbrook is going to complain that the darned rock and roll music is being played too loud during timeouts. Mello is going to want to know if his pregame meal comes with a bowl of soup for 50% off. <laughs> the new Lakers warm-ups will be the cardigans that Marcus Gasol crocheted for the team while he sits on the bench. The Lakers are going to... This is my, this is my favorite one in your list, by the way. <laughs> the Lakers are going to be asleep at halftime with the TV on. <laughs> LeBron will now only do the chalk toss when it's been placed in the right day of the week pill pack. Trevor Reese is going to berate a locker room attendant after he misplaced his keys and will apologize with... That's just how men talked back in my day. <laughs> Losing streaks will now be referred to as the Lakers are falling and they can't get up. The floor at Staples Center will be put together with leftover polygrip. And if the Lakers are going to make a serious run at the title, then their chief concern this season will unquestionably be controlling their diabetes. diabetes. Shout out to uh, Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Um, this is why I've said almost every time I have you on the show that no one writes like Josh Millman writes. And I know that I'm like fluffing you up here at the, at the front no, end of our podcast. I, I appreciate it. You make me blush and you can see my cheeks reddening up on camera here. So, you are I, so... Hey, that, I need the ego boost, which is why I come on. That's what... Well, I'll do it every goddamn time. You are the funniest <laughs> fantasy writer that I have ever come across. And I am just so happy to have you back in the mix. Uh, we're going to talk about basketball from a non-hilarious perspective here in a moment. But like... Are you aware that you are this unique breed of fantasy expert and someone who can actually put funny into words? That's not easy to do. I I wouldn't call me a unique breed. I just want to have fun, man. <laughs> like I'm doing this because look, I understand that the point of buying a draft guide and a subscription and and being part of hoop ball is to help you win 
at fantasy basketball. But for me, fantasy basketball is meant to be fun. And, and, and what the way I write, it's like, like to me, it's like catnip. If you're going to do some research, you might as well have some fun with it. You know, you can get bogged down in the numbers and the minutiae all the time. But at the very least, try to remember that fantasy sports is meant to be fun. You're supposed to rag on your competitors. You're supposed to, to make fun of your competition when you end up beating them. So I try to mix that in. Is it special? I don't know. I just, uh, to me, I go, it I is, approach the all the writing with a degree of how am I going to have fun with this? And, and fortunately, Panda always gives me the high mileage report because he knows that I'm going to just do <laughs> crap like this and just put every old person pun that I possibly can into a write-up. Yeah, my thought when you sent me that was like, where the fallen and I can't get up, that's the life alert commercial, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I have watched way too much daytime TV as it is. Like you should just like I was straining myself. I'm like, what commercials have I seen recently when I've been watching The Price is Right? The Price is Right. I'm so glad that you said that because that was the next thing I was going to say. I was going to say, and I quote, The Price is Right is great television. I don't know what to do in the months of July and August when they're going reruns because I've seen them. I know. We're d- oh, whatever. Um, so this is my segue, by the way, to the, the basketball side. Cause first of all, these are all jokes at the expense of my Los Angeles Lakers. And I think they're all hilarious. Uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, the Lakers went from being sort of like a light mess to a real mess. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you necessarily about them. If you want to talk about the Lakers, that's totally fine. I'd rather give you more of an open mic type of situation here. Um, and it's what I did with brew on the show about a week ago, which was basically to say, I want to talk about fantasy and I want to talk about reality because in the reality side, it's going to play into season win total wagering, which we'll be talking about on this podcast here in the next month or so. And on the fantasy, of course, that's something we'll be talking about all season long. So you probably knew this type of question was coming. I didn't prep you and that's um, just bad. It's bad hosting on my part, but I know you know enough off the top of your head to just to nail it. Uh, What were some of your... I'll say favorites and least favorites is kind of an easy way to put it. From a reality standpoint, I think that's easier than the fantasy side. What were some of the things you saw over free agency or the trades right before or right after that uh, you thought were good for individual teams? From a reality standpoint, who got better? From a reality standpoint, yeah. yeah. Well, I know. Yeah, I know. We'll get to fantasy. You know what the funny thing is, is that like, yeah, you said you didn't prep me, but I knew that we were going to talk about this and I was actually straining myself. I, I, you know, I, I may end up on IR now thinking about this question of like as to who kind of came out on top in terms of just the reality side of of basketball. And I I was struggling a bit, you know, just because the way that I'm, I'm thinking about this is that. I mean, who are still the top ish teams in their respective conferences? If you were to think about it going into the season in the East, it's still Milwaukee, still the Nets. And you could probably argue that Philly is still there. And in the West, it's, you know, probably Phoenix, probably Utah. You can make arguments for. Uh, uh, the Nuggets and obviously the Lakers because, but even though the Lakers stunk at the end of last year, everyone just kind of assumed that they were always going to be favorites as long as they were healthy. Now adding Westbrook, you know, they're definitely favorites. So when you rattle off those names, there isn't anyone who in my mind is like, well, 
did any of these moves vault those teams into those echelon of teams that are probably your early favorites for the Larry O'Brien? The one team that I would say is probably the closest to that is the Miami Heat. That's and, that's what Bruce said too, by the way. He he liked yeah. the Heat stuff. I'm I'm a little bit more mixed on it, but go ahead, uh, tell me more. No, I just I I think that. I, and I was thinking about this when I was writing is just I, I like the Lowry sign and trade because I think he'll kind of fit the mold of that team with Jimmy and Bam. And I was questioning whether or not it was it is Lowry losing his fastball or was that Toronto team just an absolute mess and it kind of trickled down into his play. And my assumption is if he if he knew that he was going to be out, I'm going to say it's the latter. And him joining that Heat team, I think, will at, at the very least in the first year, will do wonders for him. And so I think now, do I think that that team is going to be as good as Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn? The answer is no. But do I think that they're going to put up a dogfight against those guys? Absolutely. Yeah, because the Heat, Absolutely. you know, we saw them in the bubble. They were this. They were a magical bubble team. And then this yep. year in the playoffs, in, in almost the same exact matchup, they got run. So does this right. now, you said it doesn't quite pull them into that uppermost echelon, but is it, does it give them more of a fighting chance in a, in a normal home court, teams actually, you know, playing in a place where they want to be scenario, it gives them more of a fighting chance against those upper clubs? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think it gives them more of a fighting chance, and I think they did it without losing any of, like, you know, Tyler Hero, who was always in this trade rumor and that trade rumor, if they were going to go after a star. They were able to re-sign Duncan Robinson. Victor Oladipo came back just to try to rehab whatever value he has. And and Brewski's boy Max Struss is back, so, like, they'll have some of the depth there. You know, all of these things... You know, they're, they're again, a deceptively deep team with three stars now at the top that, that, that any, any one team would need to make a, a significant run deep into the postseason. From a reality standpoint, who stunk it up on this one? What's the, who did something? I mean, it's a, this is a hard question to ask because teams are not like actively trying to get worse, right. sort of, but who... Who did some dumb stuff? I think that's probably a better way to ask it. Like, who was trying to do something right and really biffed it? <laughs> um, who, who, who biffed it? Um, I have no idea what the hell the Pelicans are doing. Um, well, it looks like they the just re-signed Josh Hart, by the way, while we were talking. Well, lucky them. That, that, that's going to be all the difference in the world. Congrat- <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> Pels. Um, I have no idea what the Pelicans are doing. Um, I... I know that the Bulls are making these splashes and, you know, we can focus on Lonzo Ball if we want. But, like, I, I again, I, I have no idea how that team's going to work. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I, the Cavs are just kind of stuck in the mud. Are they, they going to get any better? That you was know, a team I, that somehow managed to do, well, I know they gave, Jared Allen an extension, but they managed to almost do nothing during this whole which stretch. Is, which is stunning to me because the rest of the East just got so much better. And I love, like, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, the Jared Allen quote 
was like, hey, if we just stick at this for another few years, we can make that five, six seed out out in the East. I'm like, <laughs> what and, a goal. And, and, all, and I'm thinking about like coming to America, like, hey, I used to be washing lettuce. Soon I'll be on fries. <laughs> that's great and that's when the big bucks start coming in. <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, Jarrett Allen just went Louis Anderson <laughs> in coming to America on the Cavaliers prospects for the next half decade. So good job. I didn't see that quote, but that is a perfect comparison. Yeah. yeah what's, what a what a strange goal to set. Hey, in the next three or four years, we could get We're wiped gonna out. We're going to be in the lower half of the, of the Eastern Conference yeah. playoffs. Like, perfect. So what do you think about the two teams that kind of swung for the fences a little bit, which I guess is probably you'd say the Lakers and the Bulls. So I just don't know how the Bulls are anything above kind of that middle tier of Eastern Conference playoff teams. Well, let me ask this this halfway through follow-up then. Is yeah. that good enough to get Zach Levine to stick around long-term? Because it does feel like a lot of what they've done is to make sure their guy stays their guy and you know they are better right they are they i mean yes they are better i just i i i don't know i i don't know how just a collection of all-stars just kind of just works and i say this you know because i could say the same thing about like the nets when when they were starting but but we were talking about three of the most prodigious offensive talents to ever play the game and you're not going to say that about the Bulls as much as we love, you know, Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan and and Vooch on their own. It's how do they make them work as a collective? And I just don't like are they really better all of a sudden than Philly or Atlanta? You know, are they going to win a seven game series against like the Knicks who are now like going to just beat teams to death again? Like, I, I, I just I don't know. And that's my only issue with what they did is that they did it just to get like a six or seven seed in the East or, or Miami for that matter. Are they really going to beat Miami? Just like what we were talking about. So I get the need that the bulls are like, we can't just continue to be a upper echelon lottery team anymore. We got to do something here. And maybe if, if things go right, they can make a run in the playoffs, but outside of those four guys, I mean, I guess you like Caruso and maybe Patrick Williams can can develop further. I just don't know what's happening on that bench otherwise. You know what the Bulls have done for me is this this iteration of Chicago, and you make a lot of really good points about them. They are, they're not a championship-level team. They are better. No. Uh, they're probably a five-seed in the best-case scenario because what, what did we have there? Bucks, Nets, Sixers, either the Heat or the Hawks, the Celtics maybe also kind of maybe. in that same... Yeah. Uh, and, and so then I kind of sat back and I was looking at this team and I thought, man, it's really impressive what the Jazz have done. And I know everybody hates that, you know, Rudy Gobert doesn't fit in the playoffs and fine, let's say the Suns then. I'll, I'll throw them in the same bucket or, or even the Nuggets. But I, I've actually left the Nuggets out of this thought process in my brain because I think Nikola Jokic is a bona fide superstar, even if he doesn't mm-hmm. get treated like one by the, the national coverage. Um, it's really hard to be one of those championship contender level teams without a bona fide legendary superstar on your club. LeBron, fine. He's going to be there all the time. KD, 
He's going to be there all the time. These are like Giannis. He's going to get his teams somewhere into the playoffs. He's going to be a a top-level regular season team. It's hard to be one of those top teams when you don't have that type of guy. I don't think the Jazz have that type of guy. I like Donovan Mitchell, but he's not... He's not LeBron. He's not KD. Uh, Phoenix, like maybe Chris Paul nine years ago, but the fact that he's still doing it at this level, they've been this really nice collection of pieces. Could that be, this is how my brain is, it's it's not always a straight path in Dan's head. Uh, mm-hmm. Could that be what the Bulls are looking at to say, look, we've got some, We've got a lot of good players on our team now. Maybe even, dare I say, a couple of great ones. Zach Levine is pretty damn great. Not a superstar, but he's great. Could we be the next Utah Jazz? Could we be the next Phoenix Suns where the pieces just something magical happens and we are better and we go farther and we have a better regular season than anybody could have hoped? Is that what they're striving for, or am I overcomplicating it? Is it just like we gotta we gotta take a hack right now, or the whole thing's gonna come apart? I, I think it's I think it's the latter, but I, I <laughs> understand. Simpler, no, 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 but I'm not trying to dismiss it. I understand your point, um, but also don't forget that you know the Phoenix team, what had been this kind of young and rebuilding team that had some familiarity together. They just needed a guy like Chris Paul who fits that legendary mold to give that kind of fit and push to a guy like Devin Booker, who might be at that level now and to a Deandre Ayton, who all of a sudden who repeatedly said like Chris Paul did wonders for my career, you know, to have a guy who he can like, who can be a mentor and understand, you know, just that, that high IQ perspective of the game that, you know, not, other teams just simply don't have, and that young guys need to kind of make that leap. The, the Jazz, in your example, those guys have been playing together for what, like three, four years yeah. now together? Yeah, the continuity element is a big piece of that. That's a big deal. So now you're throwing the Bulls in together, who, again, De, DeRozan has no experience playing with these guys, and and Levine and, and, and Vooch have only played together for – a couple of months and those early results weren't promising. And Lonzo ball really hasn't been part of a winning franchise yet. You know, this, these are, I mean, these are going to be things that the bulls will need to develop. And, and look, you know, we can joke about chemistry, but that's real knowing where guys are supposed to be on the court and, you know, when the right time to pass the right time to shoot, et cetera, that these are things that the bulls are, going to have to work on as the season progresses and then come playoff time, then they're going to have to perfect. And that's not going to happen in a single season. And maybe it it look, and maybe the improvement does keep Levine around, but it's, you know, it's, it's a question of sustainability, repeatability, and, and it's going to be hard for them to do it right off the bat. What about the Lakers? Oh, I just goofed that they're old, but they're gonna they're they're gonna be in the top of the league. I, I, would have <laughs> I, to, thought, you, I thought you might. Say I, that. I know. I, I look. I, I would. I, I'm not gonna rag on these guys. Any look, any team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook is gonna be really freaking good. Sorry, that, there's your <laughs> there's your analysis. You know, and it they'll they'll figure out the other pieces. I'll be curious to see how much. 
Russ and, and LeBron seed to each other. But because, you know, bo- both are going to want to attack the lane and just overpower their opponents with the ball in their hands. But I also think it, at this point, LeBron James is is totally fine with giving up some of that responsibility to a guy like Russ, who just wants to win at this point. I actually, I, I actually really liked the um, the non Russ stuff. I don't, I don't fully understand the Russ thing. I know they they sort of like had to go do something, and he is individually, uh, he'll have a, a probably a more positive impact than any combination of Kyle Kuzma and other sort of middling NBA right. player. Like, I like Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. He's actually been a nice fit for the Lakers, and he probably was their third best player in the bubble when they won the championship. Yep, that's uh, right. But he and Kyle Kuzma together, even if we can all agree that Westbrook is on the downslope part of his career, he's still way better than any of them or all of them kind of rolled together. So now it's about, like you said, figuring out how it all fits and giving LeBron a little more rest. I really liked what they did with stuff like Kendrick Nunn and uh, Malik Monk, like the rare couple of younger guys that they threw into this, the, the very, the gray beard banana boat edition. Yeah. And, and even Melo's kind of a decent fit on that team. I, I was surprised. Yeah, bench scoring. It's fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having a guy who can come in and shoot off the bench and get you some points. If, if, you know, if Russ is off, which will probably be often, or, yeah. <laughs> or if yeah. LeBron is like having an off night or AD's having rest or something like that, you need a guy like that. Yeah. Melo's not going to be, you know, you, you, if you're playing mellow 30 minutes a game, then you have other problems. But if you, if you want to have him play 20, 25 minutes, say, Hey, Melo, look, you know, AD is not suiting up tonight. Russ is off. We need you to get going here. Like, let him shoot. That's fine. That works. You know, same thing with a guy like Kendrick Nunn or Monk. And, and, and this was to my earlier point of having that, those veterans around you, those guys, maybe more so Malik Monk than Kendrick Nunn, because he was in on that Miami team. But having a guy like Monk, who we know is talented, but really hasn't, you know, been on a winning team. Yeah, and, and went through a show sense of flashes, and maybe doesn't have the you know maybe you, you don't thrust them into major roles, but learns from these guys and says hey, this is how you have to practice, this is how you have to play. That he shines a little bit more in limited minutes and say okay, I get why he's here now. And not all of these guys need to play in the postseason. Not at all. A lot of these guys are to get the Lakers to the postseason with a really good record and not completely beat to hell like they were this season. Although, man, this season, seeing... It was really upsetting, and at the same time, it was, like, weirdly comforting to see, like, the most fit humans on Earth do actually have a point at which they break down. And it's not that it's comforting because I wanted to see anybody get hurt. It's that we were all living in this in our own personal hells this last year. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like, we're just like them. We're all a disaster together. Uh, it'll be nice when that's not the case. Although, without getting too sad on today's podcast, the fact that we're still in a lot of pandemic stuff makes me think that this season will probably have COVID protocols again. Okay, they're definitely going to be. Oh, my God. Yeah. Get vaccinated, everyone. Please, I beg of you. Get the, or at least get these teams over the threshold get so these, they can. And get these teams vaccinated as well. So they only you have know? to miss. Well, how much did Chris Paul? I mean, this is like a legitimate fantasy thing that we like. I try to tap dance around it a little bit. But like when these teams, when these teams are vaxxed, Chris Paul was back within what? 
like six days in the playoffs? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nothing. When yeah. Zach Levine was out during the regular season, it was like twenty. That's a big I, difference. You miss you miss twelve games versus like four. My fantasy team deal. needs those eight games. <laughs> it's a big deal, and and I think you know, hoopballers, we're gonna have to pay attention to what happens in football as kind of a barometer for what we see in basketball because you're we're kind of already experiencing that now for those of us who are playing in fantasy football leagues is just you know that that's a very real thing where the league is cracking down and saying hey you know we're not doing this covid protocol stuff again if you get sick and we you lose a chunk of team and you can't play guess what you forfeit yeah yeah, I, you that's know what? A big deal. That's a really big deal, and we sh- and Bogman tried to warn me about that last year. He was like, "I've been watching this in baseball and football. You basketball guys, let me try to warn you what's about to happen." And he'll probably be able to do that again for us. And we need to be listening because it is going to create a different dynamic. I, I, I mean, it's it's impossible for us to have known this last year what to do in situations like that. Um. Certainly, it gave even more reason for me to play Roto Leagues instead of head-to-head because those mm-hmm. postponed games got made up. Uh, but if they're not postponed this year, I mean, I, like we have to we have to do digging to find out which teams are over the like 85% vax threshold oh, yeah. and stuff that, like that. This a, is a, a big deal. This is it's part a big of it. Deal. It, will, it will decrease the risk of a spread or outbreak or anyone missing time. And that's just, we, you got to pay attention to those things. That's our new reality. Huge deal in head-to-head leagues because you could lose two, three players all on the same team for a week or oh, two yeah. and you're just, you're sunk. So we will be... We'll dive into the research on that a little bit, and we'll we'll make sure that it's fantasy relevant. I don't want anybody posting that I'm getting all preachy on here, but we're trying to win, damn it. And if that's what it comes <laughs> down to, then hell, maybe we'll do something good in the process. Uh, fantasy wise, Josh, let's let's turn the the tables around here. You kind of have to get. I mean, maybe you can tell me I'm wrong on this, but it feels like you kind of need to get away from the bigger name moves to find any fantasy winners so far during this free agency and trade season the 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 big name stuff just put high usage guys all on the same damn team and hurt everybody right well i don't know i i've been racking my head actually and i i for the life of me can't come up with a top 10 right now so i'm not i'm not going to be the best source of who's going to be you know good for the middle rounds right now but yeah like there's the consolidation of guys like and we'll stick with the lakers for now because Westbrook and and LeBron were already two polarizing fantasy players. And we have to decide how much one is going to cede to another because that's ultimately going to affect where we pick them in leagues. And again, I know Westbrook isn't everyone's cup of tea, but he's going to be good in eight cat leagues and same thing with LeBron. But, you know, for now, I, I kind of did this when I was doing the high mileage stuff, but for a guy like LeBron, he's almost going to have to lose some of his per game stats, like points and rebounds and assists. But does he gain more efficiency with Westbrook there? Does he cut down on his turnovers, making him more appealing for nine cat? So, so even though that yes, there is some like kind of that that high usage movement if you will, particularly with the Lakers, there's going to be pockets of, okay, I can see how this works out. Same thing with the Nets and like what happened last year once they brought on Harden. You can make an argument that all three of those guys deserve to be picked in the top 10 
because Harden completely transformed his game. And if he's going to average something like, I don't know, like 12 assists per game next year, that's a big deal. Is it, is it enough? And I know that's a very short, simplistic way of asking that follow-up question, but is it, is it ever enough for the efficiency spike to overcome the usage hit? It seems like the answer to that is usually no. Usually no, but I mean, I, I know that we're kind of just winging it now, but it also depends on how you're building your team. And, and, and it's almost like impossible to kind of tell that right now. I, I probably wouldn't trade in a guy like LeBron's case a downgrade of eight rebounds and eight assists per game for his field goal percentage going from, what is it, 51 to, say, 53. I, I probably wouldn't do that to your point. But, again, it depends on the league that I'm in. If it's non-cat and he goes from, you know, three and a half turnovers to two and a half, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's a good point. The turnovers is a is a thing. Certainly with with Westbrook, from like, <laughs> yeah. maybe could he go from like five to three and a half or something like that? Uh, so it's so it's a mitigating force, maybe is the. I, I think it's yeah, a somewhat mitigating. I I think it's the difference of how we end up ranking a guy like LeBron. Do, do, you know, if it's is he top 20 or top 25? And maybe that that's even too generous at this point, but like, it's where he slots in where you're looking at him in say the second or third round of a draft or so. So let me ask you about a couple of specific middle type of guys, instead of just saying, Hey, tell me about all the middle guys. I know you left it too vague for me. Way, you know, yeah, I know. That was a whole, that was like a prairie, and I needed you. hosting, Dan. <laughs> I suck at this, but I did read the whole <laughs> passage, so that, that killed some time at the front end. Um, so uh, I've been kind of wondering, I asked Brew this same question, I was, and I was curious if who can maybe stay afloat in this mix. It's generally sort of latish round centers that went into a, a center carousel that for a brief fleeting moment, everything was beautiful, and then it all came crashing down. And everybody that's listening knows exactly where I'm going with this, and you might also. It's the uh, Mason Plumley left Detroit for Charlotte, where there were no centers, leaving Isaiah Stewart behind as the lone center in Detroit. It was like, oh my God, they did it. They made, they made everything beautiful. And then uh, Detroit brought in Kelly Olynyk who had just been dominating in Houston in a way that we've been hoping for for years to do something with Isaiah Stewart, play alongside, back him up. I don't fully understand. And then Houston was like, well, Kelly, if you can go, we'll go get the closest thing we can find to you who's not as good and sign Daniel Tice to a multi-year deal. Uh, I know. Does anyone, four centers in that mix there, Um, Isaiah Stewart being the one who didn't, change teams and then the other three Plumley, Olinick, and Tice. Do any of those four guys post fantasy value this coming season? And I will tell you before you answer that I think three of them do. I, I kind of think so I do think that Stewart, Stewart and Olinick definitely do. Um, I got Tice so I'll add a, another can I add another name to this list? Mm-hmm. Christian Wood. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, he already had some fantasy value. So now he the had question some is what... fantasy value, but if we're talking about 
you know, he was, what was he like? 64 65 or something like that per game yeah or, he came back from that injury and he just was yeah he was i mean he was awful in the second half of the year just um but it's not just it wasn't just um you know adding tice but i do think that that is going to affect him but also you know they they drafted two big men uh garuba and um i forget um i'm gonna butcher the other guy's name um another the international uh you know, kid. I have no idea who people. I know. Him. I'm sorry. Sorry, hoop ballers. Like old I old bad, man. Bad analyst. Um, no, I, I just. I do think that the Detroit guys can play together because Olenek can, pl- can clearly play outside. And his skill set's far different than Isaiah Stewart. Tice, I think. Is going to be fantasy relevant as well, because he also doesn't need to be, you know, heavy scoring or anything like that because he can contribute across the board and they need some some semblance of defense there yeah well um, you picked and, the, you picked the same three that i did so that's yeah good. Uh, and who'd you say who's the other one? Oh, um and then Plumley so, was the one who's probably on the outside um but that was yeah, close I, I close I, I i think that you know he was pretty relevant but that he got shelved towards the end of the year i just i I mean, is it going to be the same scenario in Charlotte? I would imagine that they're they're all going to have relevance, at least at the start of the season. Yeah, yeah. I, so here's my hope. I don't know if this is how it's going to play out, but my hope is that people, is that some big site out there, bigger than the Mighty Hoop Ball, <laughs> a bigger site, <laughs> tells people to be wary of Olenek or Stewart because they're on the same team. And I actually think that there's very much a place for them to oh, coexist. Very much, yeah, I agree. Uh, now, does that mean that he that Stewart's going to get you know thirty minutes a game like he might have if there wasn't an Olenek around? Probably not. I mean, we probably have to dial him back into the probably the mid to high twenties instead of the maybe the thirty minute threshold. And then with Olenek, he's certainly not going to do what he did in Houston. He's not going to have that sort of freedom on a very young team. But his fantasy game translates really nicely. So I think there's a chance that maybe one or both of those guys get a hair underdrafted. I'm almost certain Daniel Tice gets underdrafted this coming season. He always season. gets underdrafted. Yeah. He's always been a favorite of ours. So. And uh, and Plumlee probably gets underdrafted too, even if he's not like a great mega upside kind of dude. He's generally pretty durable on a team that needs a big man. They do need a big man, but what I will say is where he had a lot of value last year, he probably won't be able to replicate in Charlotte because – you know, Lamelo's going to have the ball on his hands. Yeah, they're not going to need. They're not going to need Plumlee to be a savvy passer. You know, it's a completely different setup there, and he's not really kind of a fun and gun center on that team. It is kind of a shocking signing when you think about it. It's just drafting, you know, signing seven feet for the sake of signing seven feet. Yeah, they were but, looking for Cody Zeller, who didn't miss three weeks every three weeks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so that's going to diminish his value some up because what he was averaging what like 5 6 assists a game or something like that in Detroit and they they're not going to need him for that. No, they won't. Um but I do think they'll get crushed on the glass if they don't play someone of his cuz their other option at center really is small ball PJ Washington, who I like, but what is PJ? 6-9? Yeah, he's he's really small ball and but he he PJ is going to play hard if he follows Twitter. So, you know, <laughs> he's got a good other than his percentages. Uh, but he does have, you know, steals, blocks, threes, scoring boards, that kind of stuff. There's a 
decent fantasy game there. Um, but I, he's outside of this realm of center carousel. Uh, next time, Josh, can we start to dive into some of the individual rosters a bit? Start to work Hell on yes. those. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Hell I'm talking yes, about. I'll ask you one last question before we. we I'll allow up. it. Now, 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 speaking of the Detroit Pistons, where, what are your initial assessments on Cade, my friend? Oh, you know that my. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Go ahead. He'll be overdrafted. Wildly overdrafted. <laughs> I know it. Wildly overdrafted. Uh, I am in a. People have heard me talk about my 11 category league, which basically plays like a points league. That's a spot where I would absolutely take a flyer on a young guy because I won't care if he shoots 41% from the field on 17, 18 shots a game and has five, six turnovers a night because I'm probably punting turnovers in that league anyway. Uh, Nine cat Roto, you couldn't pay me enough to get the like month at the end of the year where he's probably going to be really good. It'll be the, it'll be the Trey young type of thing where all of a sudden in like mid March, they're like, Oh, and then, very good for two months, but that doesn't wipe out the rest uh, of being sort of a net negative for the first three and a half to four months of the season. And I, I, these guys are very exciting, and we saw it with, I think Anthony Edwards is a really good example of that type of thing happening this right. year. There's just an adjustment period for these guys. Yep. And <sighs> Summer League is going to screw everybody up. No, I know. It, the recency of it and everything. I'm I'm tracking with you. I just, I think the kid is going to be a future first round pick for fantasy, but just you're you're going to end up paying someone's going to end up drafting him in say like the fourth or fifth round just out of sheer hype and just you will not get the returns from Yeah. Him at it's all. it's always the the hype young guys. I can only think of two that met it. It was Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are like who, the two who aren't even close to the same player as what Kate. Exactly. Is. You need yeah. someone who's going to excel in both percentages and can do things that don't require them to be the primary ball handler when you're coming into the NBA. Those things are just such a high stress type of spot. And he's that guy. He's going to have to be that guy because the rest of that team isn't very good. No, no, no one should be handling the ball. <laughs> so, so he's going to have to. The turnovers are going to be ungodly. The field goal percent is probably going to be brutal. Uh, there's going to be some popcorn stuff. There are going to be some really rough nights to watch. And then all of a sudden, there's it's going to be gonna like, be some oh, damn. fun ones, too. That'll exactly. Make everyone, that'll make everyone be like, oh, look at that. You know, that's why he's number one. But, you know, just, yeah, I, going to be overdrafted for sure. By the way, I will say there was a very close honorable mention this season, and LaMelo Ball was almost it. If he doesn't get injured, he probably is the probably. third you're example. Right. He, oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Of a hype guy exceeding the hype. But the, And it's the fact that we can remember the three is sort of works on both sides of the same argument, which is, oh, well, here, like here's three great examples of guys that I know my good friend drafted Carl Anthony Towns in the fourth round of his rookie year, and he was, I think he was a late first or an early second. Uh, and then Anthony Davis, he was going where? Like 50 or 60 his rookie year, and he was like top 25. So there's this, everybody has this memory of a massive fourth and fifth round win, but no one remembers the like 35 of those guys that were top 200. You have to remember those guys too, and understand you're playing a percentages game that tends to tip pretty hard towards big men 
being the guys that oh, can yeah. somehow hit their mark. Because if field goal percent comes easier, that's always really tough for rookies. Blocks and rebounds make up for some of the areas where it, it's also sometimes kind of hard for rookies. You need those things to be able to cover up the other stuff, the stuff that point guards tend to struggle with. Trey Young, look at what Trey Young is now. Young, the yep. first four He's months in the NBA. Now, but he was yeah. terrible. He was like, he, I think he was outside the top 200. Yeah, because he had like six turnovers a game and shot high volume, like 34% from the field. And then he figured it out as these guys, these transcendent talents tend to do. But it's not overnight. These things take time. They, I mean, it's why it's Chris Paul is such a fun example of someone who like can kind of see the game he's playing almost like he's watching it being played on a on a video game or something. Like he's he's in a bird's eye view of live action that he's playing in. And these other guys are not able to slow the game down like that, especially not their first couple months in the NBA. So I, you know, it's funny. I'm the crotchety old man, and I'm okay with that. I, I, we I, both are. We yeah, both are. Yeah, that's well. That's why you're on this thing. <laughs> so I need, need somebody to tell me about the uh, the newest Centrum Silver that I can get for <laughs> my aching bones right now. Uh, we are going to dive more into individual teams. We got lots of stuff that'll come up. Josh, I love you, buddy. I'm so had, happy to love have you, you back, too, man. This is great to be back. He is at Josh Millman on Twitter. Follow immediately. Go get a fantasy pass today. Because now I've actually got the promo right. You can still get it for $4.99 a month. The price goes up. And once it goes up, it will never go back down. If you get it for $4.99 a month, the loyalty program kicks in. All you got to do is leave it on and you can have that price for life. No matter how many times it goes up down the line, you will still be paying $4.99 a month. This was Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers. He's Josh. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long. Take care, everyone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.